And at this time, we want to welcome you to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. And this is me, Warren Landis, your Bible t- study teacher and host here on Sunshine USA. And as usual, it is so wonderful to have you join us for this exciting podcast. This is a podcast, of course, uh, dedicated to the teaching of God's Word and the preaching of the Gospel. That's what this ministry, uh, Sunshine USA, is all about. <laughs> and I can tell you, every morning when I get up, I'm eager to begin another day of broadcasting, another day of teaching the Bible and preaching the gospel to whoever will listen. <laughs> and I know that people are listening. First of all, it's because I get emails and text messages from you guys, and it is a blessing to me for me to hear from people that are listening to Sunshine USA. And it makes me feel good when people say they use this radio broadcast as a springboard to their daily time in the Word of God. And I think that is so exciting. Uh, I believe that the study of God's Word is powerful. And I believe the study of God's Word is able to change and revolutionize lives. Uh, I listen to, believe it or not, a number of different radio programs and podcasts in a typical week. One of the radio broadcasts I love to listen to every week is a radio broadcast called uh, Unshackled. It's actually produced as an old-fashioned radio drama, and it's produced by the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. And, and it's really a radio drama about different people there at the mission in Chicago that have found Christ as their Savior. It tells about the lives they lived before they got saved and how they found Christ as their Savior and then how the Lord has brought about a change in their life, a new direction in their life. And, of course, that's what the Word of God does. It changes people's lives when people have an encounter with the Word of God, they're never the same again. And that's what this ministry called Sunshine USA is all about. And I plan to do this program just as long as I can, just as long as the Lord uh, allows me to live. And then when I am gone to my heavenly home, then I hope that somebody else will come along and be able to take over the leadership of this ministry and continue teaching the Bible, and preaching the gospel, and carrying out any other ministries that we might be operating by that time. I'm I'm proud to report that this is a growing ministry. This is an expanding ministry, and I thank God for that. Well, today we're going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and I'm going to be addressing the topic, How Big Is Your God? How Big Is Your God? Now, I personally believe that everybody in America, and I believe that everybody on planet Earth worships some kind of God. It has been said that whatever grabs your most attention is your God. Whatever means more to you on this Earth than anything else, that is your God. And so we have all kinds of gods being worshipped in America today and the world today, for that matter. I can remember when I was a young teenager and I'd just been saved, we had some missionaries from Africa come to our church. And 
they brought to the church service with them some samples of the different wooden and stone gods that they were worshiping in Africa. And I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy. This is stupid. <laughs> no piece of wood, no stone, no rock could ever be God. They can't do anything. And yet at the same time, we know that in our world today, people are worshiping gods that don't make any more sense than that. Today, you see, we're more sophisticated here in America. We uh, worship sophisticated gods. One of the gods being worshipped in America today and throughout the world is a god called the Internet. I know some people, they spend more time on the Internet every day than you could ever imagine. I knew this one young man. I am told by his mother that he would spend almost the entirety of every day on the Internet from the time he got up in the morning to the time he went to bed at night. And by the way, he didn't go to bed till late. I would say from about 6 in the morning to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, this guy was on the Internet. In fact, a lot of times he would even be on the Internet while eating. He just couldn't break himself away from it. Now, the problem is that when you spend that much time on the Internet, you're not doing much of anything else. It means you're probably not getting a job and working to earn the money that you need to pay your bills with. It means you're probably not taking your schooling as seriously as you need to. It can be a terrible thing to be that addicted to the Internet. I mean, I've been on uh, Facebook, for example, for a long time now, many years. But I also know how to carefully limit the amount of time any given day that I spend on Facebook. And that is a God that is worshipped by many people today. I see people walking up and down the streets and their eyes are glued to their smartphone. Their eyes are glued to where, whatever they're looking at on the internet. And, and if you want to notice something even funnier than that, <laughs> I went to a restaurant one time and there was about eight people sitting down at a big table in that restaurant. And all eight of them, I kid you not, all eight of them had their eyes glued to the smartphone in front of them and they were scrolling the web. And many of them were typing messages to other people on the web. And yet here they are with eight real human beings and nobody's talking to each other. They're all on the web. <laughs> How sad. But yet many people today, they, they worship the Internet. We have people today that worship a God called video games. I am told that video gaming has become so big in this country and, in fact, so big throughout the world. There's even talk of one day having video games as a competition in the Olympics. 
But video games are a God that's being worshipped today. And by the way, there are consequences to people worshipping a God like video games. It's because of that that a lot of people get addicted to porn. A lot of people get addicted to, to violence and crime. How sad. And then we have a God called Sports. Now that God has taken in recent months a little bit of a backseat because we haven't had that much sports going on in this country. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of interesting, you know, the networks on weekends have found it necessary to find a lot of different sporting events to... Um, to um, cover, and many of them are carrying uh, sports and athletic competition that happened years ago. The other day, I was watching uh, Super Bowl number 12. That's right, Super Bowl number 12. And uh, on this particular um, game, they were showing football players that have long since retired from the game, most of them. And yet here they are showing it again on television. And it's kind of funny. Uh, people that follow football especially know already who won the game and how much they would win the game by. And yet people are still watching it because people are hopelessly addicted to sports. How sad. And then we find that we have people today that are very sadly addicted to another thing called television. Now, I have to be careful myself here in this area. Uh, to me, watching television is very enjoyable. Now, I will say this, I don't watch as much television as I used to. Now I take some of the time that I used to spend watching television, and here I am recording sermons on the Internet. Amen. You see, I like to spend my time doing something that will matter in eternity. Because you see, whether you're talking about a video game, whether you're talking about a football game, whether you're talking about a baseball game, a hundred years from now, none of that matters. A hundred years from now, it's not going to matter what the latest video game is. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is what did you decide about Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You see, that is the only thing that is going to matter a hundred years from now. What you decide about Christ is the one question you're going to deal with now in this life that will affect where you spend the next life, where you spend eternity. We have other people today that worship a God called money. And you know, that's kind of sad. I think probably the older I get, you know, I'll be 66 years old in August of this year. In August of 2020, I'm going to be 66 years old. I mean, to me, that's ancient. <laughs> I can remember back when I was in high school, 
I used to think, man, anybody, 66 years old, man, they have got one foot in the grave already. And I'm almost there. And so some people worship this God called money. But you see, when you die, nobody cares about how much money you have. And you aren't going to care either because you're going to leave it all behind. Your family and friends are going to fight over it. Uh, now, I tell you, I've done my family a favor. You know what I've done to help my family? I have seen to it that I don't have a lot of money. There's not going to be some big bank account or investment account for my family to fight over when I'm dead and gone because I ain't got much. I have chosen to invest where it does the most good, and that's in the kingdom of God. Amen. I want to have my wealth, whatever there is of it, invested in something that's doing something for God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to get out your Bibles now and turn to Exodus chapter 20. And as we get out our Bibles, looking at Exodus chapter 20, we're going to start reading with verse 1. It says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So God lets us know that the Ten Commandments that he's about to give Moses, these are words, these are commandments that come from God. And they are that. They are commandments. They're not the Ten Helpful Hints or the Ten Helpful Suggestions. These are the Ten Commandments of God. And they were given by God to Moses. First, they were given to the Israelites. Now, it has to be pointed out that realistically, we as Gentile believers, we never were under the Ten Commandments. Because you see, when you and I got saved as Gentile believers, we were saved by grace through faith. That's how God works today. That's how God does things today. So we have never been under the Ten Commandments. But that doesn't mean the Ten Commandments doesn't have meaning for us, and it doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments don't have a purpose for us. One of the things that the Ten Commandments, along with the rest of the law that went with it, one of the things we get from the law is the fact the law lets us know that we're sinners, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Amen. And you see, if it wasn't for the law and if it wasn't for the Ten Commandments, we would have no way of knowing that. Notice that God makes the statement here, I am the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. 
So God is already reminding the Israelites how much he's done for them already. And he's saying that, by the way, since I've done this for you, this is the least I can expect from you. And that is that you hear these commandments and obey them. Put them to use in your life. And by the way, the the things that are mentioned here in the Ten Commandments are just as much a sin today as they were back then. I want you to notice the first commandment that we come to. In Exodus chapter 20, it says, in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness to anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And so, really, the first two commandments are really pretty much tied together. We're not to have any other gods before God. And yet, we do that all the time in our world. I've already mentioned some of the gods we worship today. There's also a God called education. I'm here to tell you that some people, in my opinion, are educated beyond their intelligence. Amen. Think about that. Some people today are educated beyond their intelligence. They really are. They worship education. I remember... When I was in seminary, for example, I came across this guy, and he was 50 years old. I thought that was old then, because I was 30, or somewhere close around there. But he was 20 years older than I am, and here he was still in school. Racking up one degree after another. When I went into the wall of his dorm room, he had um, diplomas and certificates of award all over his wall. And uh, I, I marveled at that. I know that's more education than this young man will ever have. I, I couldn't hope to have as much education as he had obtained up to that point, and he was still working on additional degrees. Now, what was he going to do with all those degrees? I don't know. But he had already spent from about age 18 to age 50 pursuing higher education. At the rate he was going, he would die before he could put any of it to use. How sad. Um, I can tell you right now, I haven't gotten near that much education. Now, I do like to continue reading and studying. I heard about this evangelist one time, and he said one of the things that he loves to do is he loves to visit the library 
of whatever church pastor he's visiting with each week. Every week he'd be in revival at a different church and he would always tell the pastor, I want to see your library. And he said, the reason I wanted to see their library, I wanted to find out in what year did their mind die. He said, hopefully I would find a pastor that was still engaged in up-to-date learning, up-to-date studying, while, of course, continuing to do whatever work it is that God had called them to do. Now, like I say, I don't have anything against education. I believe that if God has called you into the ministry, you need to pursue as much education as you can possibly obtain. Some of you, that will be a good bit. Some of you, not so much. For a lot of you, it's going to be determined by how much money the Lord blesses you with. Amen. Or how many scholarships the Lord blesses you with. But to me, I'm much more impressed by what somebody actually chooses to do with the education that they have as opposed to how much education they have. One time, I heard about this college student. He graduated from a big university, a prestigious university, with a major in psychology and a minor in counseling. You know what this guy is doing today for a living? He's flipping burgers at McDonald's. And I think to myself, how sad. Now, I'm sure he must be using that education somewhere along the line. Maybe when he walks up to the counter and somebody gives him an order. He's trying to psychoanalyze that order. He said, now, you know what? I hear hamburger, but I really think you want something else. And I could just see the customer now. No, give me a hamburger. That's what I want. That's what I ordered. That's what I expect. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let me tell you something, folks. God is on the throne. God is ruling and reigning upon the earth. And he wants us to do something with the education that you have. You know, I would rather see somebody have just a little bit of education and yet do a lot with it for the Lord than I would see somebody that has a whole bunch of education and hardly doing anything at all for God. Amen? Do I make sense here? Hopefully I do. Okay? Now, let's take a look at the next commandment here. It says here, uh, Thou shalt not take the name. Well, before we get that, let's look at verse 6 again. It says, In showing mercy to the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You see, it's one thing to love God, but do you love God to the point that you're actually keeping his commandments? And then he says in verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That taketh his name in vain. Now, there's several ways that commandment can be violated. 
One, of course, is something called profanity. When it comes to profanity, I hate to hear anybody, for any reason, take the name of the Lord in vain. To me, that is disrespectful to God. And I think we could say that God is not going to allow anybody to escape who actually takes the name of the Lord in vain. Now, <laughs> you can tell this is a homegrown radio program because of the fact that um, um, I make it a point to do this radio program out of my apartment. You might think I have a fancy radio studio, but I don't. And what you heard a while ago was my own <laughs> telephone ringing. Now, of course, I didn't bother to answer the call because, you know, obviously I'm recording this particular broadcast. And right now, there's nothing more important to me than for me to be hard at work recording this program. But the thing about it is, is the fact that you and I have to know as Christians that we should not take the name of the Lord in vain by using profanity. But now there's another way and a more serious way in which we could take the name of the Lord in vain, and that is by making commitments to God that we do not keep. I remember when I was a teenager in high school, I was actually one of several young people which made a commitment to God to go into the gospel ministry. And some of those young people have been very obedient to the Lord and they have done what they said they were going to do. Others, not so much. But you and I need to take it seriously whenever we make a commitment to the Lord. That's why I have a special place in my heart for young ministerial students. I want to do everything I can to serve them and help them in every way I can. If you're a young ministerial student, I want to share with you any knowledge that I have. I want to share with you any pointers that I have that will help make you a better preacher of the gospel. I want to mentor you in every way possible. And I mean that. In fact, if you're a ministerial student, if you will email me at warrenlandis at yahoo.com, I'll be glad to send you my personal phone number. And I'll be glad to converse with you every day if you wish. Because I want to help you in any way and every way that I possibly can. But we're not to take the name of the Lord in vain. Well, let's read further. It says here, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. 
For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now this brings to a close the first four commandments. But here we are told that we are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, there are some people today who would claim that since these commandments were originally given to Israel and not to us as Gentile, that that commandment doesn't really apply to us today. And to some degree, I, I, I go along with that. As you know, following the resurrection of Christ, many Jewish believers started worshiping the Lord on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, instead of the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. But yet at the same time, there's no record in the Word of God that the prohibition against work was ever transferred from Saturday to the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And of course, we as Gentile believers, as I've said before, we have never been under the Ten Commandments as far as the law is concerned. When you and I got saved, we were saved by grace through faith. So therefore, it would be very difficult to say conclusively that it's actually a sin today to work on Sunday. In fact, if you were to refrain from work, it would be more scriptural to refrain from work on Saturday than on Sunday. But now having said that, I will say this, I will say something very interesting. And that is the fact that to me there's Sunday, something special about Sunday. And I will try personally very hard to do everything I can not to do anything on Sunday except going to church and worshiping the Lord. And if I'm not worshiping the Lord at church, Maybe I'm sick that Sunday. I will at least worship the Lord at home. And as usual, every day I listen to a number of different TV shows and sermons and church services on the radio and television and Internet because I want to take as much of that in as I possibly can. Amen. But there's something special, I believe, about Sunday. And also, let me say this, there's something special about refraining from work one day a week. You're going to find this hard to believe. Our bodies are not actually made to work seven days a week. Our bodies are made so that they really need a day a week to just rest and recuperate. And that becomes a biblical principle that if we violate that principle, then we need to realize and recognize that we pay a price for that. It reminds me of the time when I was in seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And at one point, I was interim pastor of a church. I was working at a Christian radio station. And... I was, of course, a full-time 
seminary student. And between these three activities, I hardly ever took a day off. I was basically working seven days a week, 18 to 20 hours a day, and believe it or not, it was killing me. You see, I was violating the biblical principle of refraining from work one day a week. Your body is created so it craves, it needs that rest one day a week. Now, some people take this to the extreme. We have some people today, they don't want to work any days. <laughs> they don't want to work any day of the week. Well, you see, that's unbiblical as well. That's unbiblical as well. The Bible says we're to work six days a week. The Bible says six days a week shall thou do all thy labor. So it's just as much a sin against God, you might say, not to work six days a week as it would be not to take at least one day a week off. Now, by the way, this being the summertime of the year, I see nothing wrong with going on vacation. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, I see a lot right with that idea. Amen. I think there comes a time when all of us need to just get away from it all. We need to go to the beach or the mountains or somewhere and just take a break. I know this one preacher, he died an early death because he never took a vacation. He never took a day off. And had he been willing to take some days off, had he been willing to, you know, um, take a vacation now and then, I think he and his family would have been a lot happier. I think the church would have been healthier. And he might very well still be in the ministry today. Now, like I say, this brings us to an end of the first four of the Ten Commandments. Now, these first four commandments have something in common, and that is they teach us how to have a right relationship with God. Now, we're going to find out in the next broadcast, we're going to find out that the next six commandments still with our having a right relationship with our fellow man, a right relationship with our fellow man. You see, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we cannot be right with God without also being right with our fellow man. If I'm doing my neighbor wrongly, if I'm not being a good employee, if I'm not being a good student, then there's no way that I can be the best Christian that God would like for me to be. And like I say, we're going to find out more about that on the very next broadcast of Sunshine USA. As I look at the clock, we're about at the end of our time limit for this particular broadcast. And if you have enjoyed this program, I hope that you'll tell somebody else about it. Because chances are, if you enjoy this program, a Bible study on Sunshine USA, then chances are you know somebody else 
that would also enjoy this particular broadcast. And I hope that you will tell them about how they can find it on the internet so that they too can listen to it. You become the best advertising that we've got. Amen. Well, folks, this is Warren Linda saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.